0: Well, what a morning! Holy cow! Yesterday, I was uh, we we're getting ready for a ball game, basketball game, and Kyle gets on the, the, the phone and texts everybody. He's like, "Oh man, I'm I'm hurting here this morning, guys." Uh, and there's nothing worse than being you know sick to your stomach. So, so he couldn't be here. So I was I decided I was going to see if I get Mark to preach this morning. I said come on Mark you got to preach you know give it a try I know he wants to he just he won't do it that, that he won't take that last step and uh so anyways here I am uh this morning's message is more of a I think a devotional more than a message I didn't have a lot of time to really dig in but it's always funny when people people go I don't I don't know how you can come up with something and in just a a few hours like that and, and and preach and and wow and I'm like it's it's not that big of a deal really to to me I mean I'm a teacher that's what we do we we make stuff up on the fly all the time I mean it's, I tried to figure up one day how many classes I've taught so it's I'm going on 25 years seven periods a day 180 days of a year I lost count, and thousands and thousands. Keith has taught thousands, uh, Karen thousands. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But, I mean, I don't want to belittle the, the handling of the word. I, I don't. It's, it's a privilege to be able to speak to you today. Um, in fact, I was looking for inspiration at the last minute, trying to figure out what am I going to use. I, I, I you know I don't want to... I can't follow up Kyle's... Atomic Habits. I mean, he's building up to the final thing. I don't want to, you know, mess that up. So I was like, it's got to be something different. And I was worrying about it. And and Neola finally said, here, here's a. This is from Dave Cheatwood, and he posts these little like scripture verses and things. So I took that and I just said, well, that's it. That's what we're going to do today. So I ran off of that. So Dave, if you're watching this the sermon. It rises and falls on you, so if it's, if it's a success, you get the credit. If, it's a, if it bombs, it was his fault, all right? It's, it's not mine, so no. When I was uh, in high school, one of my favorite classes, believe it or not, was art class. Now, I'm not an artist. I always wanted to be. I loved to, to draw, and I just could never get things to look just right. Now, my art friend, he assures me that anybody can be a, a decent artist. You just got to learn some 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 of the techniques and things. And but one of the, my favorite parts of the uh, of the class was when we got into this unit on p- pottery. I think it was cool because we had this wheel, and it, this was electric. It's not like the old wheels where you with your feet and you you get this thing spinning around and you take some clay and you bump you. Th- plop it on there, and you can turn that into just about anything that you want, you know, and, uh, you know, some of my classmates, they were making these fantastic pieces of pottery. I was like, this is amazing, these bowls, uh, these funny shapes. Uh, Mine always ended up being (laughs) ashtrays. I mean, if it it doesn't turn out right, you lop the top off, and there you go, it's an ashtray, you know. I don't know how many ashtrays my grandma had in her, in, her, in her knick-knack room, but we still got this one that I did. It's about that tall. And it was just, I took little rings, rolled them out, and just kept stacking them. And, and I was like, I don't know what this is. And kids would ask me, what are you making? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going with it. It just keeps growing. Mom still has it. She turned it into a vase, I think. She puts flowers in it. The height—it's a grotesque, ugly-looking thing, but she she loves it. And but I always loved that. And uh, it's it's interesting, you know. Not once did the clay ever move itself and fashion itself into a beautiful piece of pottery. You take this big clump of clay, put it on the the wheel, get your hands all wet, and start the wheel going. And you're supposed to put your thumbs in there, and it'll start. Making a nice, you know. Never once did it do that by itself. Um, it always required me or the teacher or somebody to get in there and and try to do something with it. Well, if you have your Bibles, open up to uh, Zechariah. Zechariah is one almost the last book of the old testament. Okay, so if you have your bibles you know kind of go to where you think the new testament begins and then flip back about 20 30 pages. You'll probably run into Zechariah. And, and Zechariah is a is a, an interesting uh, prophet. Zechariah and the guy the book before him is a book called Haggai. Both of these are prophets. Okay, these are prophets. These are prophets. Usually, were sent to stir the people up to get them to do something. Okay, and uh, so we're we're looking at uh, uh, Zechariah here. Baker, we're praying for you guys, and we love you. So you know, as soon as we find something out, gang, we'll we'll let you know. Anyways, in about uh, the the book of Zechariah was written um, just after the Jews were let out of of uh, Babylon. Now, if you know your Old Testament, the Jews had screwed up again and again and again and again. Finally, God had had it with them, and He said, "Okay, you're really going to get it this time." And He allowed the Babylonians and the Assyrians and these different groups, their neighbors, to come in, and they attacked Israel, attacked the Jews, and they bound them all and hauled them off to captivity, into slavery. So the entire nation was hauled off to Babylon as punishment. Well, over time, eventually, in 538 B.C., uh, the, the person in charge at that time of, of that area, a man by the name of, of Cyrus, he freed the captives and allowed them to go back to their homeland, okay? You guys have your freedom now. You can go back. So they, the, the Jews go back to Israel. Oh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 50,000 of them, they go back to Israel, and while they're there, they, they start to immediately begin to rebuild parts of Jerusalem, and uh, of course at the heart of the Jewish community was the temple. Let's rebuild the temple. And so they get in there, and they start building, and, and it's a big big thing. It's a huge task to, to build a... I mean, even today, building a, a structure is not easy. You know, in these days, they didn't have you know, the tools that we have, but immediately they begin to rebuild the temple, but they receive opposition from their neighbors, indifference from within and eventually they just stopped building the temple they got bored with it and there it sat unfinished okay there's nothing more sad than to see a building that was halfway built and just kind of sitting there and year after year goes by and nothing is nothing is done about 16 years later god sends zechariah and haggai Uh, to stir up the people, to get this temple rebuilt. So they go, and they begin to challenge the people to get this temple done. And as a result, the temple was completed about four years later. And uh, they finally get this thing done. Uh, So we're in Zechariah chapter 4. And let me read verses 1 through 7. Then the angel who was speaking with me, and this is the one talking to Zechariah here, he returned and roused me as a man who is awakened from his sleep. He wakes up kind of, huh, what? <laughs> and the angel says, what do you see? And I said, I see, and behold, a lampstand, all of gold with its bowl on the top of it, and it's seven lamps on it with seven spouts belonging to each of the lamps which are on the top of it. Also, two olive trees by it, one on the right side of the bowl and the other on its left. Then I, at, then I said to the angel who was speaking with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? So the angel who was speaking with me answered and said, Do you not know what these are? I said, No, my Lord. That's what I would have said. He said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might. Nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you will become a plain, and he will bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. And on and on they go and they talk about. The point that they're trying to make here is this temple is going to be rebuilt, but it's not going to be done by any human might or human power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's going to get done, but it's going to get done because I, the Lord, am going to see that it gets done through the power of my Holy Spirit. Of course, you guys are going to help. But ultimately, this thing succeeds because I desire for it to Be done. This temple will be rebuilt. Not by your might, not by your cleverness or power or money or status, but by my spirit, this thing will be accomplished. You know, try as we will, sometimes the only way forward is when God moves it for us forward. How many things in our lives do we do where we want to? You know, by our own strength, we're going to get this done. This is going to happen. I'm going to make it happen. Nobody can stop me. But yet it's only through the spirit of the Lord that these things get done. I'm talking about Christians here. I think about the history of this church. Many of you weren't here at the, the beginning of it. I think, uh, what, a group of about 15 of you, Sylvia, Maybe left left Lawrenceville and how about how many of you left Lawrenceville and founded this church about 20 20 people left the Lawrenceville church and said you know what we're going to build a church over here somewhere in what happened Lawrenceville said you 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 <laughs> <laughs> Did they throw you out or did you uh did you decide you were going to just Okay, yeah. So Lawrenceville planted the the church over here. I got you. Okay. I like my version better. Anyways, this church was planted and it began. And if if the pictures are correct, originally they began it down in, it's called the Hoppus Building. It's uh, I think it's still there. Just a little brick structure up by the shortstop, or the power grid thing there north, it's just up that way. way port, this, Yeah, on this side of the shopping area. So that's where it all began. Now, they worked hard over the years, I'm sure, I'm sure they planned and schemed and did things to, to get this church going and to continue it. But over the long haul, I would wager that it was through the Spirit of God that this place prospered, that it continued to grow, that it's in, it was in a position to, to, to add on and to do many of the different things that we were able to do here. It's interesting how by God's Spirit, work can move forward. That's what happened with the temple. To get that thing finally built, sure, the people worked hard, but it was through God's Spirit. God's desire for this to happen, that it finally happened. Try as they wanted, the only way forward was when God did something. Zechariah and the Jews were not going to get that wall built on their own. It was only through God's Spirit, that that work moved forward. I think about a lot of people that I've known in my life who have been in crisis, many families in crisis. Uh, I work with a lot of kids. Their families are in crisis. And try and try and try as they might, things won't get resolved on their own. Sometimes it requires the spirit of God to do its trick. I have a really good friend who he and his wife had, uh, were preparing to divorce. They had already separated and were in that weird time period of before the proceedings began. And, and uh, one day she called him up and said, why don't we just go to church, just go to church and see what happens. And so they started to attend a church and uh, sure enough, over time, they begin to see things differently. They begin to, uh, you know, as he said, be against all odds, all of a sudden we found ourselves communicating again. We found ourselves suddenly, we had a common interest. And from there, all of a sudden our love began to bloom once again. Not by might or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The Lord is moving. The beautiful thing when we trust in the Spirit of God. So oftentimes we get caught up in our daily lives. We don't leave much room for God to, to work. Got to do it all on my own. And I'll pray to God later about it, and whatever happens, happens. You know. But God, in many times in the lives of His people, He will bring forth things that you can't imagine by His Spirit because He desires that. Turn back to Psalm chapter 33, if you would. And in Psalm chapter 33, this is a, uh, just a beautiful psalm. If, if you're, like Kyle says, spend, start with two minutes to build a habit. two minutes. Well, here's a good one that will take you about two minutes to read. I mean, this is a good one to, to meditate on and think about. Psalm 33 is one big psalm. It's a song dedicated to to God. They're singing praise to the creator and to the preserver, the one who keeps things going. Starting at verse 13, the Lord looks from heaven. Okay, He sees all the sons of men. That's you and I. From his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all. He who understands all their works. The king is not saved by a mighty army. A warrior is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a false hope for victory, nor does it it deliver anyone by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope, For his loving kindness, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us according as we have hoped in you. What a beautiful Beautiful psalm. The idea and the knowledge that God is looking down on us from heaven. He looks over all the earth and he takes note of all the people. That's what the scripture says. It is God, verse 15, who fashions the hearts of them all. Verse 15, he who fashions the hearts of them all. He who understands all their works. It is God who fashions the heart like the potter on the potter's wheel. Like me in heart class trying to get that... God is the potter. We're the clay. The clay doesn't sit there on the wheel and fashion itself. God whose eyes are on you, puts his hands on you and begins to fashion you and to create you and to mold you and to build you into the person that you become. Now, sure, there are a lot of rough edges on the way. I had many great masterpieces built on the wheel that were suddenly ruined because it folded in on itself or it plopped over and but I didn't throw it away. No, I grabbed it, put it back on the wheel, and started working again. Our Heavenly Father looks through the earth to find those of us whose hearts belong to Him. And like the potter, He works with us day by day, every minute, fashioning us, creating us, and the things that we can't yet imagine. I look up my own life. I can't believe all the road, t- you know, the funny little side roads and things. Uh, things I've done, I'm not anywhere close to what I imagined. I'd be, I would always thought I'd be a gym teacher or something. Well, I teach, but certainly isn't gymnastics. I don't get in there and play dodgeball all day long. You know, we don't... It's amazing... The twists and the turns that that are there in the lives of of God's people. Some good, some bad, some tragic. But through it all, God's hands are on the clay, molding and shaping as we go. Turn to Isaiah chapter 29. This is the last, well, not quite the last, but almost the last one. I want to look at today. Isaiah 29, just a few, probably 100, 150 pages to the right from where you were. Isaiah 29, again, Isaiah is another prophet. You know, and prophets go around stirring up the people, warning them, you better watch it, this is going to happen. Isaiah 29, verse 15. And sixteen, Keep in mind that God has his eyes on you, that he's watching. Verse 15, Woe to those who deeply hide their plans from the Lord and whose deeds are done in a dark place. And they say, Who sees us? Who knows us? You turn things around. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? That what is made would say to its maker, he did not make me. Or what is formed to say to him who formed it, he has no understanding. Let me tell you something, God knows you. He knows every part of you. Every hair on your head. Speaking of which, I looked in the mirror today and my blonde is now, is white. There's no more blonde anymore, it's white. So I was going to get the scissors and cut it off, but that would be against my sermon today. So, you know, white hair, it's, it's time for it. So, But like the potter at the wheel, you know, God knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. Whenever I would get in trouble, when I was a kid, and mom thought I might tell a lie. Any of you tell lies? Mom would always go, I mean, mom was smart enough to know that if I lied, she'd never find out the truth, but... But she would always give me, and she'd always stick her finger out and say, now you can lie to me, but you know there's always one who will always know the truth. And It's God. I'm like, yes, Mom, I know. I can't get away from him. But she's right. She's absolutely right. The Bible makes this absolutely clear, that the eyes of the Lord go through the earth and rests upon those who he calls his own. I believe he sees all people. God is beyond our understanding and our imagination even. But God has his eyes on each of us. And not just that he's watching, but but watching with intent and purpose. That I have uh, something that I want to fulfill. Not by your might, not by your power, but by my spirit. When I get my hands on you, you will become something that I desire, something beautiful, something wonderful. And yes, even at times when the potter breaks the clay, it's still a beautiful thing. The Bible makes it clear. Even when we are weak, we are brought weak to weakness. God is made that much stronger. That through our weakness, God gives us that grace to to make it another day, to live, to go on. My God's eyes are on me every day. That's a beautiful thought. It's a frightening thought. What have I done in the darkness that I'm sure nobody will know? Nobody's going to find out. There's one who always knows. Our heavenly Father. Turn to Second Chronicles, chapter sixteen. Now, Second Chronicles. Now we really got to go backwards here, and back before Psalms, before Job, before Esther. Ah, there we go. Second Chronicles, and turn to chapter sixteen. Many of you may have this uh, memorized. This 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 verse. I'm about to. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. That he may strongly support Those whose heart is completely His. What a beautiful thing. You know, God is watching out for His faithful ones. How can He support you? How can He support this church? This is God's church. It is through His Spirit that this church rises and falls. As long as our hearts are truly turned towards Him we got to make sure that our hearts truly do belong to him. Where does your heart belong? Where does your heart belong? Does it belong with your career? Does it belong with your TV set? i got a friend. All he talks about is movies and TV. Movies and TV. He could tell you, and he's a massive movie buff, which I think is kind of neat. But that's that's it. I mean that's that's like all you have in your whole life. Movies and TV shows. Sports. Is sports, is that where your heart's at? Kids, some of you young people, is your heart in your with your video games? There are times my son who I love more than anything in this world, but he'll spend massive amounts of time just video games, video games, video games, video games. Where's your heart? God's looking for people whose hearts are at least geared towards him. This doesn't mean you got to be, become some kind of a religious nut. you got to run around, holy, hosanna, hallelujah, everything. But it does mean that you know who the potter is. You know who it is that made you into the person that you are and that he continues to mold and to craft. You know, when I built my beautiful pottery, that became an ashtray. You know, That's the difference. God's not going to let you become an ashtray. That just came to me. I don't know why. You don't want to be an ashtray. Psalm 139, verse 6. Where can I, or excuse me, verse 7? Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, that's the grave. Behold, you're there. God hasn't forgotten you. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. I read a, an account. It was an astronaut who went to the moon, and he talked about being on the moon and just this knowledge. I mean, I am on the moon, but God's hand is still with me. I don't know if you saw the news, they sent another thing to Mars. Someday they're going to send a man to Mars, or a woman. Guess who will be there? Our Heavenly Father. He'll be there. It goes on, verse 10, Even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. There is no place you can go to hide from God. He's always there. My psychology class last couple weeks, I was telling the kids about oh, psychology, it's kind of complicated. You got a lot of different perspectives and ways of looking at it. One of those is the neurobiological view. Psychology, oh, come on. You are nothing more than skin and bones, billions and billions of neurons and glial cells, and uh, you're, you're a lot of chemistry and a little bit of electricity mixed in, and that, that's a human being. That perspective kind of looks at that. So mental illness or anything, it all goes back to your, you know, these chemical reactions that take place in the body. In one sense, that's science's way of saying we are but dust. You're dust. You're clay thrown on a wheel. And yet God sees us for what we can be and what he will create in us. The last one here, and it goes on and Psalm one thirty nine, um, somewhere here, yeah, yeah, verse thirteen. Somebody asked me once, uh, "You're a you, you're a Democrat. You, you're horrible. You don't believe in it. You're a you support abortion." And I'm like, "What are you crazy? I don't support abortion. I'm as pro life as you're going to get, because the Bible makes it very clear that the unborn is still part of." Of God's design. That's the beginning of the clay going on the wheel. Verse 13, For you formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, when I was in my mother's tummy and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. Before you were even born into this world, God had his hands on you and knew exactly what that clay would become. Now, I wish every piece of clay was beautiful and healthy and lived a long, long life. Sometimes that's not the case. But don't forget, that clay was put there by our God. It was created and fashioned by our God. As we live our lives, remember, you were created for a reason. I believe that. It's amazing how many people believe their life has no purpose. It has no meaning. I don't know what I'm going to do. I just sort of exist from day to day. You're one of God's treasures. God looks at the heart. He fashions the heart. You know, we really are the clay. God is the potter. Clay can lay there on the wheel... And try as it might, it's never going to become what it was meant to be unless the potter gets to work. God wants to get to work on you. And as your life grows, and as you live your life, and though we become weak at times, and we see that through our weakness, God's strength is perfected in us, That it's not by our might nor by our power but by God's Spirit that you become all that you were meant to be. It's only by the Spirit says the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this chance to to be here today that all of us here. Lord, again we pray for Michelle and uh, and all the Baker family and uh, Lord, I know that that uh, your grace is great, and that even when we're weak, you are made strong. Father, bless those who are here. Bless those who are watching by video uh, at home. Uh, To all those who have not been with us in quite some time, we love you. We want to see you back. But God's grace will be with you, and he will continue to work on you and fashion you into his great treasure. Father, we love you today in the name of Jesus.